Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. summer bonus episode time and we're kicking off pride month and i kicked off my website queeruniverse.org it's your one-stop shop for all things queer and loving and then some so welcome to my summer episodes enjoy my first guest they're such rock stars enjoy great all right, yeah, back great up. conversation, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay because we could sum that up in like five minutes. Yeah, we can we can double that. Let me just let me double. Yeah, so yeah. let me just do the intro again, and then we'll just continue our conversation. Sure. Um, don't don't worry about it. Uh, hey, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. They're going to introduce themselves really quickly, and then we're going to have a great conversation about the work that they've done in their life. Go. Cool. Hey, y'all. I'm Shakina Nafak. I am an actress and a producer and a writer and an activist uh, trying to bring the trans revolution with me everywhere I go. Uh, and we just got to know each other for a little bit because, to be honest, everyone, I forgot to hit record. So, but we were talking <laughs> some uh, queer stuff about queer youth activism, but like in 1995, 1996. And when did you come out? I came out, excuse me, I came out in 1995 um, on my 15th birthday, and I was at a Catholic school at the time, but I dropped out of that school shortly thereafter and went to a public school where I came out even stronger uh, and actually tried to organize um, one of the first uh, queer youth school clubs in California. Um, creating like major waves and chaos, and uh, that's so like the one yeah. of the, or in California though. I think it's interesting because the yeah. way it's portrayed, right? You'd think, but it was very conservative, um, especially where I was growing up in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in the late '90s, I think folks were still really associating queer sexuality with HIV/AIDS, and so there was a great mm. fear amongst like parents and and school boards about supporting LGBT youth because they thought it was like, you know, a dangerous deviant lifestyle. And um, so when I tried to create this this club, I had to actually take on the school administration and the school board and have like a, a riot protest out front of the school. And um, it made a lot of waves and it, and it really taught me a lot about organizing, community organizing, um, and kind of set me off on a journey where I ended up uh, working with several different, and this is like when I was like 18, 19 years old, working with several different major um, nonprofit organizations across the country, traveling to different school districts, teaching um, you know my peers and other young people how to start uh, GSAs at their schools, and uh, working with um, you know teachers who were like trying to advocate for non-discrimination policies. Uh, actually, there was a um, a law, excuse me, a law that was. Um, that was passed in California based off my experiences. My, um, my oh. mom, my mom on Mother's Day of 99 wrote a letter to every woman in the California State Assembly 
explaining like the terrible things that I went through in high school. And um, it helped push the votes toward creating this, this the Dignity for All Students Act, which added gender um, and sexual orientation and perceived sexual orientation to the statewide um, non-discrimination policy that affects all public schools. So wow, it was go really mom. incredible. I know my mom was like, Did she tell you she was doing it or did she just yeah, do it? Yeah, she did. You know, when, when I was in high school, I was so mad at her for not, like, I was like, you know, um, I was living like a pretty high risk lifestyle at the time because I was, I didn't think anyone had my back. And I was like yeah. kind of fatalist about it. And um, when my mom saw that it was a choice of like, either you're going to stand up for your kid or you're going to lose your kid, my mom stood up in a big way. And Huge. Um, yeah, and at first I was like, what's a fucking letter going to do? You know what I mean? Like, get out here <laughs> on the streets. Teenager. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it really did create like a, you know, a major shift in um, protecting uh, queer students, faculty and staff in California schools. That is so cool. And before I hit record, we also talked a little bit about, um, uh, actually, before I, what did you do? You remember what you felt like? Like, okay, because we know, like, we do, we go on marches, we protest, and we still do things, and we still like, but it's a little different when you're younger because I feel like you're more vulnerable because you don't have the, like, you don't have the other things, other stories, and things that get in the way, you know? Your sure. identity doesn't like always creep in when you're younger because you usually you're like, I don't fucking care. Just living your <laughs> life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember I mean, what you felt like? I well, first of all, again, it was the late '90s, and let me tell you. So I went to um, uh, two two big high schools, two continuation schools, and an independent study because I could not be contained. And amongst all of those schools, that means I was probably in a, the proximity of five thousand different students during my academic time in high school, and I was the only out gay student in I don't even mm. out of 5,000 one out of 5,000 so you know how I felt I felt alone um and that was really really hard and I of course I left a wake of baby gays behind me like so many queer yeah. came out because they saw me coming out and yeah. they felt emboldened you know after I got after I got kicked out of my last high school you know there was like tons of kids in that in that school that came out in the years to follow um, so, you know, you're welcome, but, um, it's true though. Like, yeah. the, 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 well, first of all, still, we don't have enough examples in the media or still. like on television. We still don't have enough yeah. examples of like someone going, Oh my gosh, that's totally me. I yeah. get that. For yeah, me, cool. I used rent. Rent was my like thing. That's of what course. I, when I started seeing that, I was like, wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah. Uh, like this is happening, actually happening for sure. Um, you know, and, and we can, we can re I can relate to something because of the nineties. There's definitely, I mean, there was will and grace and there's no disrespect to the will and grace, but that's still something that everybody can't relate to. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's why we say representation matters because yeah. when you see things, you know, especially when, you know, for me, like in the nineties and now this is like on, I think it's on Netflix now. So everyone go watch it. But, um, my so-called life was like one of the first teen drama this is shows. The second time I've talked about this with another interview. Yeah. It only, yeah, it only lasted one season, but Wilson Cruz played Wilson Cruz, Ricky yeah. Vasquez, and he was like a, a gay femme Latinx teenager. Gorgeous. Who put yep. on eyeliner in the girls' bathroom at school and yeah. was my saving grace. So that's so funny. I mean, yeah, it's so interesting too, because um, I think that would more, it would last more now, but it definitely, what was that? What year was that? That was like. That was. 
at probably like 95 or six. Yeah. It was, it was Before early. Will and Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coming off of the crazy, I mean, like HIV and AIDS epidemic, like all that happening. And yeah. then they put a show like My So-Called Life. It's an interesting, the the, the historically, um, through cinema and media and like all that, like really, I'm so fascinated with that stuff and breaking it down and digging into the vaults of like, who were those examples not that weren't portraying a killer or a prostitute on television? There were some, right. but like, who were they? And like, why? Why sure. did they get and very few young people, and even still, you know, we don't have a lot, a, a lot of people to look to. Now, uh, before I, I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to talk about it again. Before I hit play, uh, we did talk about uh, Shakina on Difficult People, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, was one of my favorite shows, and I, I watched the reruns. And uh, you're it's seriously though, like so hilarious. And to be honest with you, now that I think of it too. Very few shows in general don't have a character like your character that was created for that. Like, you know, like, like really just truth teller in your face. Yeah, but like what we all want to say. Yeah. Well, so first of all, Difficult People is a show where everyone says what the fuck they want to say. Yeah. That's what made that show so great. Yeah, that's what's. Um, And it's still on Hulu. There are three seasons. I'm in season two and three. Um, my character was introduced because Gabrielle Sidibe was a series regular on the show, and you might know her from American Horror Story or Precious or Empire. Um, and she owned this cafe in the show. But then when she went on to do American Horror Story and Empire, um, she didn't have enough time to do like a whole series, a whole season of Difficult People. We knew we were only going to get her for a couple episodes, so they were like, "Well, who else will Billy Eichner be intimidated by?" Because Billy Eichner is a big personality and they needed like a foil for him. And they're like, we know a trans woman. He won't know what to do. And so they created this character of this like 9-11 truther, trans waitress, Lola. And I basically came in and they were like, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And so I would prepare at the beginning of every season a kind of write-up of hot topics in the trans community that that mattered to me. And, and I'd work with them to, like, write these jokes that were, like, really on point, where I could talk about biological essentialism, and I could talk about TERFs, and I could talk about Dave Chappelle. And, uh, you know, it was really amazing to have that platform. And it was one of the first times that we've seen a trans character in a comedy show actually be the teller of the joke, not the butt of the joke. It's so important. That's so important because it's like, there's nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, I got hooked onto transparent. Um, and, uh, but even in that, you don't. Well, that's a weird kind of comedy because it's, it's more, such it's a, a weird, comedy, you yeah, know, yeah, it's like, it it's is. Like you laugh, but you're cringing. You're like, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and then when, when I joined that company, you know, transparent had this like total controversy because First of all, from the beginning, this the lead trans role was being played by a cis man. I know. Such a good and actor, though. Well, such well. a good actor, but yeah, also, yeah, yeah. like, got fired for behaving inappropriately uh, on set, which I never know. would have happened if you had a trans woman in the role for the first place. The show would still be going. But yeah. So they brought me on to kind of close out the show, and I got to step into her shoes spiritually and metaphorically by playing a character in a play within a play in the show. So we made this whole musical, the transparent musicality finale, um, where it, w- it was so cool because I-, I got to come in and be myself, you know, like bald-headed, um, androgynous drug dealer, and then also got to play Mora against and with Judith Light in, in like these 
gorgeous musical ah, numbers. Light. Yeah, and Angel, she's a hero. I am jealous about that. I'm yeah. jealous about that. Yeah, and she and 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 she speaking of the 90s, you know, she has been an advocate for Huge. queer people, you Huge. know, all through the AIDS epidemic. So, yeah. yeah, it was and she's really, a giving yeah. person in just in general. You just, just she's yeah. always shows up for the Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, the um always taking, you know, like always always yeah. is there. Yeah. yeah, she's really but, really wonderful. Yeah. That's a that's a, that's a, yeah, that's so cool. Like all that stuff. And so, okay. So, Speaking of a little more of activism, what yeah. do you do? What, what so you're a writer as well, uh huh? And you um you seem to collab. I mean, it seems like you've been very lucky in in, in the sense of collaboration and like the, the projects you've done and the shows that you've done. Um, but what is your true like writing? What is your true thing? Like, what's the thing that like with writing gets you going? Like, how? I is- mean, I think I'm still discovering that because honestly, I became a writer because I wanted to be an actor and there was no way, there was nowhere, there was no room, you know, there great, no one was making work, yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I first um, decided to move forward with a medical transition, I was like working in the Broadway community um, as a director, um, like passing as a dude and was like, how am I going to tell all these people what's about to happen? I was trying to like build a professional reputation, you know, and then it was like, okay, what's, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? So I created this show called One Woman Show that was like a cabaret that basically told the story of my life and my reasons for deciding to transition while I was crowdfunding for my gender confirmation. So I had this show and I had this campaign called Kickstart Her. And, um, and I was basically like, let me, let me tell this. Thank you. Let me tell the story on my own terms and bring people in to my journey. And, uh, I asked some of my friends to, who are composers in the Broadway community to write music with me. Um, that show eventually evolved to become what is now manifest pussy, which you can find on YouTube. Um, and it's, uh, it's like the, the saga of my life, both before, during, and after my gender confirmation. And um, it sort of deals with my pilgrimage to Thailand, you know, for my surgery. I listened to that one song about you're basically having five people. Yeah, yeah. That's probably not appropriate for queer teen (laughs) podcasts, but whatever. It's okay. Anything goes on here. I I just listened to it actually. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's true story. True story. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what was so great is because I, so I was um, also starting this theater company here in New York called Musical Theater Factory. Oh, yeah, which was like a hub for a bunch of early career musical theater writers to kind of come together and share their work and collaborate and, and get things off the ground. I think I've submitted to that. I've submitted to that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, we've since like launched, you know, like Pulitzer Prize winning A Strange yeah. Loop by Michael R. Jackson. And, oh, so good. Um, but so I basically was just like talking to my friends and was like, hey, would you help me write a song for this? So I got to work with Shayna Taub, Michael R. Jackson, Joe Iconis, Zoe Sarnak, Lauren Marcus, like uh, Sam Salmon, Nico Benson, Julianne McDavis. For those of you that are listening, there's a lot of musical theater people and, and yeah these are like amazing. up and coming broadway legends yeah like just yeah. people that you have to just that we really know if you're in new york city but yeah my mom's like who i'm like mom you know that's okay but if you go on youtube and you watch manifest pussy you will hear these songs by yeah. these people who are going to shape the future of the broadway musical now a word from some of our podcast friends Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? 
And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gays in the Woods, an Upward Network podcast. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Uh, do you tend to... I ask this too because I, I keep going back and forth with this because... I do a lot of work and I do a lot of projects and I really bring in the queer community. Like that, that's my goal. That's like at the top of my list. Do you, do you ever think about those things going through, you know, do you ever think about that? Like just continuously employ queer people on constantly. Oh yeah. First yeah, and every, foremost. Every opportunity I get, I'm like, who can I bring in? You know, mm-hmm. I really believe in that idea that rising tides like lift all boats and uh, you know, yeah, on difficult yeah. people, when I came in for season three, they were like, what do you want to do with this season? I was like, I want to employ more trans people. Um, same with transparent. And then on connecting, uh, you know, I, I got to bring two friends on that show. It's just a, a show that also unfortunately lasted one season, but it was on NBC last year. And we filmed it from our homes. I so cool. It was like That's connecting. Cool it was like during Zoom life. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you know, it's really important to me, not just on camera, but behind the camera, in the writer's room, like anywhere queer people can be telling our stories, uplifting our stories, but also just like making their money, you know, supporting themselves, like getting that bag. So because when you have your needs taken care of, then you can help other people, you know, take care of their needs. And and that the chain of empowerment goes on and on. Well, that's the work. And then that's the only work that I know how to do. Uh, especially for the LGBT community. Like I, cause I, when I was performing and, and at one point when I was performing, I got a little bored because I was like, I don't know if I could just do like the chorus boy musicals. I don't know if that, I don't think that's for me. And so I, you know, you go back and forth through all these different things as a performer anyways. Right. And then, uh, and then I, and then when I started to get into this work and started to figure out like, I was like, Oh, you can do all of it together and just and really empower people. And then I was like, now how do I like incorporate it with queer youth? That's why I started the podcast. Um, but it's just uh, it really just being in front of like kids and like hearing them tell their story and the work they're already doing, like you were doing. Yeah. Um, but you're a rarity because that is like that was not what kids were doing in 1995, 96. That's not. No. Just, they just weren't. They didn't feel empowered. There was no empowerment to do that. You had to really yeah. put yourself forward. Right. Was your family always behind you? No, I mean, they were confused and didn't understand. And and also, I should say, when I first came out in high school, I came out as gay because I didn't know what trans was. I didn't know that was even an sure. option. So yeah. so I was really, like, fighting for the right to be gay. <laughs> and um, and then I had to, like, learn how to fight for the right to be trans, um, which is, like, still going on, obviously, in a big way. Yeah. You know, Huge. especially for like, young people huge. in this country right now. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's uh, There's a whole puberty debate going on right now again. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't even understand what it means, people. I was like, 
People well, actually go on puberty blockers for other reasons because of, exactly, yeah, like, medical diagnoses or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I know it's so foolish. It's just born out of hatred and ignorance. It is, and there's not enough resources, and it's not written anywhere. Like I didn't grow, we didn't grow up with any of that in our books. Like there's nothing telling you. And sex ed, there still is nothing telling you, right. unless I know a kid that's like 18. They created their LGBT sex curriculum themselves, and they teach it to the freshmen in their high school in a Catholic school. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, I mean, I live New Jersey, Maryland, you know, New York. It's you have these crazy, like, um, cool stories that go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's so great, too, about like the up and coming generation is that um, they're like born into a world with tools for access and information and exchange that we didn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I think I got the Internet like sometime in high school and it was just like you could like wait an hour and a half to download a single pornographic picture like it took a long time and <laughs> like you're like and, yeah but um someone picks up the phone you're like i'm on the computer right it ruins everything totally um but it you know now with like you know social media and youtube and just the accessibility of like filming things with your phone there are so many ways for young people to connect with each other and you know, like I was saying, like my first, you know, my young experience, I was like the one queer kid out of like 5,000 kids, at least I was out. And now, even if, even if I had to go through that again and be the one in 5,000, I could like find others beyond my local community. Mm-hmm. And um, that ability to connect and to create community, you know, transcendent of time and space is so radical and is such a, you know, a gift that is presented to young people today and they know how to work with it, you know, yeah. like they're mastering that. And that's amazing. They are mastering it. They don't need to cancel as much, but they're mastering it. That's the only thing uh, that like, sometimes they're like, I'm like, it's okay. Let's just have a conversation first. Yeah. Well, that's why I made a Ted talk. Like, you know, when I was doing, um, when I was getting ready for transparent to come out and listen, I have not led an angelic life. Like I've done, I've, I've done a lot of rough shit when I was young trying to survive. And so, uh, you know, here I was like taking over this role from this guy who had a fall from grace, very public cancellation. And I was like, what's the most important thing to take away from this is like understanding the importance of forgiveness. So I gave this Ted talk, uh, which you can also find on YouTube. It's a short one. It's TEDx, like 15 minutes, but on radical forgiveness and, and what it means to like learn how to release your anger and release your resentment and release your pain and, and truly forgive ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness. Because like, I understand all the impulses and the motivations behind cancellation. Absolutely. What's what's more important, I think ultimately, is like honoring when your feelings get hurt. You know, it's such a simple thing that carries so much weight. And to be able to say like, you really hurt my feelings or you really hurt my body. You really damaged me. And and, like, I hold this and I I want to release that for myself. And in order to do that, I need to forgive you. And it's a big step and it's really hard and it's not something that you can always do. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard. Forgiveness it's so is hard. Really, it's really hard because like often people are like, I'm not going to forgive them. They did it to me. But I'm like, here's the thing. I'm not saying they didn't do any of that to you. I'm not saying they didn't come at you, but they're not coming at you because of you. They're coming at for their own bullshit. Right. And it, I know it's really hard to then take that power away from them and, and forgive that. Right. Make amends for that. Person. But I think there's something about like the fact that when you forgive someone, you're not just 
doing it for them. You're not get. I mean, yes, it's a gift. You're giving yeah. them a gift of, of you know, releasing them from that burden. But you're also taking it off of your own heart and off of your own mind. Yeah. And and that's what frees you up to have room to do other things, to love more people, to go Great on more space. adventures because you're not yeah. so burdened. You're not burdened. You're not like walking around with your shoulders hung over and slumped right. over and being like. The woe is me. The world sucks. Yes, the world sucks. Humans suck, but they're also these <laughs> amazing beings in light that create actually the best of the world. And that's the only way the world's going to survive is to continue to do the work and to continue to create this glow around, right. especially the queer community. I always joke about this, but it's so true. They they are the. I mean, it's a really true big community that actually keeps things moving. Like yeah, and, and you get to see all sides of everything that exists in this world. And then and uh, for sure, that, and there are flubs inside of the community. We know that, but um, but we have to also go. We have to ask why those are yeah. happening. And the community is what you make it. Honestly, you know, we think yeah. of the, we sometimes think of the community as this big, massive thing that's sort of beyond our reach and we're trying to understand it or have access to it. But honestly, it's about what you bring to it, who you connect with and the kind of like dreams you build together within that's it. That. And that's the definition of community. It's like, like uh, my whole season, this season that's currently running is about queer religion and like uh, believing yes. in God or whomever and being like a part of something like a church and still being yourself and still being gay, lesbian, bisexual, anything that, that you can, that's who you are. Right. And I've talked to so many cool people about that. And like, and just from all over the world, like from that's Africa awesome. to the UK and like, and their stories are so beautifully valid and powerful and um, righteous. And they just, they just deliver. And you're like, yes. And, and you got to keep, that's the work. And I know sometimes people get so stuck on something because it doesn't seem like things are happening. And we have all this clickbait and like all the different things that like, are in the way. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can't right now. Like right now, the whole banning uh, trans kids from playing sports. And it's like, what are you talking right. about? Is this what we're focusing on? Like, is this really? Yes. Let me tell you, <clears throat> those divisive issues are meant to trigger, you know, evangelical Christians mm -hmm. to um, mobilize their vote and keep people distracted in a culture war while more money is spent on the military and, um, enriching the wealth of the upper class. So yep. it's literally just distraction politics. It's not at all what people in power actually care about. It's like, oh, we know what will upset like small-minded evangelicals and get them riled up and get the liberals defensive. And while they're all arguing with each other online, we can go ahead and send more money to, you know, Israel, for example. No, I know. Well, uh, yeah, it's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but that's like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a grand tactic. It's what Reagan did basically to get elected. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Step know, on the queers. Uh, I think it was like in, uh, I read this amazing article um, on like in 19, it, ironically, evangelicalism, all that stuff wasn't even involved in any of the politics until I think the late 70s or something. And like, whoever, who was that? I think it was Nixon. Nixon oh, well, actually. oh, Nixon. I think he brought in... Uh, he was like, wait a minute, I guess if there's a whole bunch of them. If we just act like we're a part of them, they'll yeah. get the, we'll get the vote from the conservative side. Because right. it was never this thing, really. In the 60s, no. it was a weird time. So it was just like nobody was really saying. Yeah. Like, but I think the moral majority as a phrase and as an identity, like, probably came out of a rejection of the sexual liberation mm -hmm. 
and like yeah. drug experimentation of the 70s and the like anti-government sentiment of the you know post-war protest movement and um so you know from every, but that's the thing is like when you think about like the war on queer people as evidenced by the neglect for AIDS treatment and the war on drugs, which was really just criminalizing people of color, these these um, these attempts to create like a moral a dialogue, even for example, like you know arguments about abortion, like things that they know are going to be divisive on a moralistic level really just keep our minds focused on something else so they can do their dirty shit in closed doors. Yeah. And that's why it's like, don't get swept up in the drama, you know? I mean, fight for what you need to fight for, of course, oh, but of course. also keep your eye on the ball because... Look at your local government and see what they're yeah. doing in your town. Because exactly. Because that's what's going to end up getting over there. And you're exactly. like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't know that person was here. And like a thing, like I read, I live by Asbury Park, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I read, there's just this article this big about housing... Mm-hmm. And and you have to vote, and they have to get seven hundred votes for equal opportunity, like equal housing, to pass. Yeah, but I don't think half those people aren't going to even like know that that exists, and like they're no. not going to see that, and they're not going to get those votes. Right, that's, that's really the stuff sad. you got to really pay attention to. Right. Um, Tell me more about um, the because you, I don't know if you know that I'm also like a trans woman of faith, and I'm like deeply spiritual and yeah. like practice sort of like interfaith spirituality. But I would love to know like what. What kind of stuff has been coming up on on the Queer Teen podcast in terms of like you know religion and spirituality this year? Yeah, so it's, it's like so there's such a range of it because sure. everyone I spoke to has different stories. One of the like for example, <clears throat> uh, this person I spoke to who who runs uh, Beloved Arise is a great website for queer youth to go to and like um, basically go to like. Uh, a spiritual class and like gather and like perform and speak and like speak their truth. But like, they love God and Jesus. Right. And then, but he didn't come out till he was like 39 and he's now 42. So like, that's been like his journey with faith and like keeping out of being who he truly is because of, of, of then using God and Jesus and everything. And, uh, and then I talked to some, like, you know, I, I talked to someone in Uganda um, who is just uh, amazing, and he does sermons like outside with a pride flag. Wow! In I'm Uganda. like, that's bold. Yeah, he runs uh, amazing. Uh, it's just, and then from anywhere from America, and I speak to uh, to uh, my church. I spoke to my church. I go to Unitarian Universalist Church here mm-hmm. in New Jersey, and um, that's they they're all encompassing. But they even have their drama trying to put in the, an eighth principle inside the seven principles they have because people are. People are like, why change it? But like, but this has to do with because we need to move yeah. forward. Like, Religion has always evolved, always. Yes, what yes, what yes, we're yes, experiencing yes. now, no matter what sect you're in, is an interpretation of an interpretation of an interpretation, at least. That's it. Yeah. That's all. I mean, we don't even know because it's like thousands of years ago. And the people that wrote the Bible were thousands of years later. And they're like yeah. picking up stories. And you're like, this is a yeah. fable. Like, yeah. it's really, it's a beautiful fable. There's parts of it that are just like unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so that's just like been the range and it's I really, love that. um, a great organization called the Christian closet, which I always talk to is a therapeutic approach to embracing God and your queerness. And they help you through that, um, through spirituality. That's so great. That's yeah. So they're great. located in California, actually. They're uh, awesome. well, one of the people. And, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I'm a big, uh, practitioner. Like I love, I didn't like God for a long time or anything, mm-hmm. but I was, I, 
tried to, I was like falling in the Christian faith and it was really nice and I met really great people, but then they were like, you can't be gay. And I was like, ah, I don't think that's going to work. Sorry. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's going to work. But I was like full on. Like I had workbooks. Yeah. I was like in the church, praising Jesus. Um, but I don't think that was for me. And so <laughs> I've tried it all. Like I, 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 I just, I just, I value theology so much because it's yeah, the only same. We have. We have same. It's the only real thing we have to like lock onto to like, like hieroglyphics in the Egyptian times or like yeah. things that they find like Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm like, that's so cool to me. And like, yeah, for sure. Um, and my argument always, this is the thing I'm trying to do from now on. And someone's like, well, in the Bible, it says, I go, listen, if you go into the ocean, there are fish that change sex overnight <laughs> so they can make babies. And yeah. why are you arguing what we as human beings are doing when you're like, oh, the fish are so cute. I was like, so I don't know. Yeah. Argue me I'm, on that one. Yeah. And, and <laughs> like, honestly, you know, something that I've been talking to with my partner is like, um, you know, one of the things that we're learning about, uh, about climate change is that we are losing uh, biological diversity on this planet. And that biological diversity is actually one of the things that strengthens ecosystems because right. uh, we like interspecies and intraspecies, we work together to, you know, symbiotically support uh, the environment, you know, from everything from like the breathing and, and, and the manufacture and then dissolution of carbon monoxide or dioxide or whatever um, to like, you know, forests, providing homes for creatures. I mean, there's just so many ways in which different species um, and their biological diversity need to work together in order to create a sustainable environment. And so I was like, you know, really the, the like, you know, the fact that trans liberation has allowed more of us to come out and be seen and be heard just shows that there is greater biological diversity within our own species that we didn't appreciate before. And there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just like embrace the evolution of the species. Well, yeah. Yeah. People are so, so scared of like, everyone's like, well, there's all these words. Now I go, everything was always there. We're just giving it a place to move forward with. And like, yeah, we have to like understand it. Not everybody is going to understand if they look at someone and they feel confused. Why am I feeling this way? I'm like, well, let's talk about it. We can give you a word for that if that's what it is. Like, like yeah. people need like, you know, people are visual and physical. Like they need all these different things and it helps. And, um, you know, you know, the, the funny thing is with, in regards to race, mm -hmm. I, I remember growing up and like examples of comedians, right? I, there are huge examples of comedians like Lisa Limpinelli, right? Does mm -hmm. go in, she like goes in at it, right? Used yeah. to. She used to go in at it. And that was an example of like, I mean, she was pretty like, yeah. she didn't hold back from anything yeah. like that. No. And so those are my examples. And I, I know there are moments in my life where I made those jokes. I said those things. I made fun of people. I had assumptions about people. Um, uh, and then, you know, there's, there was a moment in my life in like 2010 where everything kind of came crashing down in front of me. Mm -hmm. And then language really had to take I had to take a different approach to language and the idea sure. of existing together. Mm -hmm. So I started to do work through that and, and different programs. And for me, it just completely shifted my energy and, it, yeah. and I lost friends and I gained sure. friends and yeah. you know, the whole game you do. And, um, and I'll never go back because yeah. I well, can't. Once, yeah. Once you see the way power works in the world, you can't unsee it. And then you have a choice to be complicit or to be, 
you know, uh, an accomplice ag- against it. And what, what's your, um, what's your, what's your spiritual practice? Um, my spiritual practice is I'm a Christian, uh, but I grew up Jewish. I was like bar mitzvah. So I consider myself like, um, a messianic Jew, a Jew for Jesus, if you will, though I'm not a part of like the Jews for Jesus. Um, but I love and appreciate my Jewish heritage. Um, I also um, have a very deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ and um, the Virgin Mary and a lot of the saints. Um, But also, I was very fortunate enough to have a few very deep uh, Buddhist teachers in my lifetime who I studied with, like, in in an intimate way for years. And so, um, you know, Buddhist meditation and philosophy is also a big part of the the way that I, um, you know, bring my spirituality into my everyday. So... Um, that's why I say I'm kind of like an interfaith practitioner. Um, but actually, you know, before I, before this year, um, and when I, you know, um, was lucky enough to book connecting during the pandemic, I was really thinking like, is my pandemic pivot going to be joining the priesthood? Like I was looking into masters in divinity programs and actually right now I'm reading a book, um, by Ruth Haley Barton called strengthening the soul of your leadership. And it's really a book for pastors who have sort of like experienced burnout and, um, didn't know, like trying to like figure out how to restore their faith and have like a more holistic way to uh, do their ministry. And for me, you know, as an actress, as a writer, whatever, like I consider my artistry, my ministry. And I really hope in everything that I do that ultimately I'm bringing people closer to God, whatever that means to them. Even if it's through Manifest Pussy, which if you watch it, it feels like you're going to church, you know, but it's like a rock show about a trans woman getting a pussy in Thailand. So I just, um, I just don't believe there has to be this division between the sacred and the profane that we've like have in our puritanical society, and that actually sex is very sacred, sexuality and gender expression are very sacred. You know, trans people have existed for thousands of years, and in many, many cultures around the world, we have been um, shamans, we have been healers, we have been seers, we have been revered um, because of the ways that we like see beyond and cross over one of the most binary structures in human society. So, um, you know, I think that like the intersections of spirituality and sexuality um, are, are so uh, beautiful and so prolific. And I just, um, I want to empower more people, especially queer people to see themselves, to see their bodies, to see their sex lives and their relationships as something sacred, as, as a vehicle and a vessel through which they can encounter the divine one-on-one for themselves. That's so nice. And that's so true. <laughs> like <laughs> to me, everything that you said makes sense. I can't hear it any other way. Like I, you know, like it just, it's so beautiful and that's so powerful. And that, first of all, your energy, I was watching some stuff on you, like just on your cap your, with your show. And I was like, your energy is unreal. Like, and I value energy. Like I just, it, it comes to me and I can't, I can't make it go away. Like, so I've embraced it. Sometimes I can't handle it um, sure. <laughs> because some people, you know, come at you and you're like, even if they're not even talking to you, you're like, whoa, it's like, right. there's a lot right. going on with you right now. Right. Um, which is why I always go back to why, like if we're getting into conversations and you know, you do with, uh, with activism, you will get into those conversations, but you have to, uh, you really got to get to why first. Otherwise there's no room for the room to move forward. You can't, you will not move forward. Nothing That's will so get true. accomplished, which is what we've done in this country, which is why Trump was president, which is why things happened. And like, 
it's our fault because we didn't get to, we don't know what we didn't do the whys and we didn't get to the point of actually right. working together. We haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a fascinating approach. Have you ever been to India? I haven't yet. I hope it's to go someday. Amazing. I've been twice. Yeah, oh, cool. I've, I do LGBT work over there. Uh-huh. Oh, amazing. How yeah. cool. I work with Prince Mavendra Singh Hill. He's the first openly gay prince. I work with him and his husband and their organization. And um, I would bring you. I want to I want to Let's I wanna, go. I want to yeah. go. Yes, my yeah. partner and I have been talking about it. Yeah. It's just I can't you're you're, you're going to be like because <laughs> there's yeah. so much over there. Yeah. Um, it's the only place in the world so far in my life that I um I have to continue. I have to go back there the rest of my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And you go. Yeah, I feel. Like yeah, yeah. I've been. I went to Thailand, obviously, for my surgery, um, and I would. I hope to go back. I was so en enchanted with. What year was that? That was in 2014. Okay. I was 33 years old, like Jesus, and I figured if like Jesus died at 33, <laughs> months, so would my penis. Yes, that's great. That's a, yeah. Did you do that on purpose? Or just, yeah. No, oh. I was like, this is the deadline. It ha it must happen this year. Like, it yeah. cannot happen. I I will not be older than Jesus with a dick. Like, I can't do it. So I yeah. have to make things change. Um, but, uh, mm. yeah, and then, you know, where I did the most of my, like, early spiritual work was in my 20s. I studied this avant-garde ritual dance that started in Japan, but I studied it in Mexico with a Mexican master, Diego Pinon. And um, his work is called Body Ritual Movement, but it's based off of this um, postmodern Japanese dance called Buto, which is like really incredible um, performance art, ritualistic, um, like kind of violently expressive, but also like serene and lovely um, uh, experimental dance. And um, it was originally called Enkoko Buto, the Dance of Darkness. And it was, it's all about like using your body as a vessel to channel the energies within and around you to like in a kind of alchemy where you're like accepting the darkness and the light and transforming it into a new kind of offering. And, uh, you know, I, I love doing spiritual work through creative practice and creative work through spiritual practice. So it became like a real, um, epicenter for me and and I actually I ended up getting a PhD in critical dance studies which was like totally unexpected to go from a high school dropout to a doctor of philosophy oh yeah but um that's life right there for you yeah but uh you know but it just was like you know how like people who do yoga are like mm, the real yoga happens off the mat and they you know you bring it with you everywhere we go which is true but for me Butoh, it is true I do yoga yeah. but it's like yeah 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 but shut up but yes yeah, it's true like it's true but yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but for me Buto was this dance that I studied for a decade in Mexico on and off for you know I would go a couple of weeks a year every year um but um but that 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 practice is the core of how I work in the world. Like Lola on difficult people is she's Butoh. She's just, she's just like trans actress Butoh instead of like avant-garde MoMA Butoh, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I like how you bring that. That's a neat, that's, and also that's a great and grand approach to the business because it's difficult. Yeah. Really. Like it's not, it's not easy. Um, whether you're doing, a regional theater show or whether you're doing something in Hollywood or New York, whatever it is, like you're going to come up against the things that you're like, Oh, we're going to test my ego right now. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And you need to have, I mean, if all you have is a desire to be famous, you're going to crash and burn, you know, like you, you're not even, yeah. you need to know 
like you said, your why, like what's at the core of your being? What are you put on this planet to do for others? And mm-hmm. once you're clear on that, then like whatever situation you find yourself in, you can just move forward with that impulse, you know, to be of service in yeah. the way that only you can be. Only you can be. And like, well, speaking of, this is a good segue. What What's next for you? Like how, what, what are you, what have you done? I mean, like you've, you got to do the show during the pandemic, which is so awesome. And, um, but what is now, what now? I mean, so now I'm writing a, a couple things. I'm working with a friend, uh, Kyler O'Neill, who is the artist behind um, the Instagram T Girl Problems. Um, and we're writing a movie for Lifetime Television that's going yes, to be Lifetime. like the first like trans content movie for Lifetime. And then, um, you know, because you got to make the revolution everywhere you go. So we'll do it there. Everywhere. And then um, I'm also, um, I have this play that came out on Audible that was originally supposed to premiere last year. It's called Chambury International Hotel and Butterfly Club. And it's the story of my time in Thailand uh, during gender confirmation and the the sort of like secret society of trans women that I met when I was there. And uh, I'm trying to put that together to be a TV show. So I'm like shopping that around and also trying to like, you know, push my own sitcom. Um, so I'm really just like in the season of like planting seeds and hoping that some of them germinate and sprout into, you know, beautiful gardens. Um, oh, my hope that. is to like move on. I'm in a writing phase now and I can't wait to get into the acting phase soon. Yeah, that's great. And it, uh, well, I wish everyone could have this approach. <laughs> I know everyone can. It's not easy. Okay. It's I not know. easy. It's, I know. Yeah. Like, I just, I, 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 I love all my guests, right? Don't get me wrong. But, and most of them are, have this approach. They really do that. They, they're, and, and it took them, they're all different, you know, it's different times, yeah. different places and stuff. And, um, there's an aha moment that happens for you in your life. And if you choose, if you choose to accept it and, and experience it, then you're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. even when you're not good, you're still good because you're like, Oh, I'm just completely grateful. And, uh, but I'm going to still do the work and make people pay attention. And, um, it seems like that's what, that is what you're doing. It's just like, which is I'm so connect drawn to you. It's like crazy. Huh, Sorry, I don't want to be weird or anything like that. I just, no, that's I just, love that. that's just who I am. I can't help it. Yeah. That's <laughs> when great. I know and I know, and then I don't know what I don't know. So, yeah. and I'm okay with that. And yeah, <laughs> that took years for the ego to get past. That's right. That's right. Oh God. It took years. I was like, and I kill people. I'm sure I was such an angry kid too. Same, like, same. I yeah. was so like, I would, I, I just had this conversation with somebody. So me and my husband, we have this, the way we talk to each other is really funny because we really come to this great understanding of where it's coming from right away. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I was like, the other day, I was like, can you just, if you don't want me to do that, you could have just told me. And I, you know what? I shouldn't have just done it because when I do it, you're going to question it all and need to be on a spreadsheet for you and just have numbers. He's like, oh, oh, we're going to go there right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. And I'm like, let me just broke it down quickly and got past it, cleared it yeah. up. Yeah, and I and I know that's really hard for a lot of people to do because there's this bullshit that happens in the world and to them and and around them. Um, there's yeah. martyrdom. There's all the different things that you yeah. gravitate towards. My partner and I have been really trying to. Um, it's a it's an old adage, but we've been trying to embrace the mantra "Don't sweat the small stuff" because especially in pandemic, in quarantine, like just being cooped up together, it's so easy to let a little thing set you off when there's all this trauma around us all the time. Absolutely. From the, like civil unrest and the racial reckoning and the, the you know, mass death and... All of it. There's Trump. so much happening. Yeah. Crazy. And so it's so easy to like make a little argument or a thing online become like your sole focal point of energy. And it's like, wait a minute. 
step back, take a deep breath. Don't sweat the small stuff. Like regroup, find your center. Remember who's on your team, you know, your friends, your family, right. your, your nearest and dearest relationships, like you're in this together. Yeah. And it's really helpful to, you know, reset like that. It is. It really brings you back to a place of like, okay, 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 okay. Give right. me, give me one second. Let me just <laughs> yeah, say exactly. it out loud. Embrace my, if I'm, if I'm feeling anxious, just I know why I'm feeling anxious and go with it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. Yeah. I know it's tricky for people, um, but you know, you can do it and you're doing it. And I think it's so great. And I'm glad we got to connect. Yeah. Uh, thanks Anthony. Me too. And doing all of your things and we'll have to do something together. Some yeah. Point. Let's go to India. Come on. Oh my gosh. I'm telling things you. Things open back up already. When we go and when I bring you there and yeah. how we do it, cause we'll like experience it through like, I'll bring my podcast and we'll experience it that way. And we'll do work. Yeah people and just talk to people you're yeah. gonna be like we're going to go back every year yeah <laughs> it's like and there's a such a vibrant trans community there uh, it's with the, well it's the, the third the third gender yeah. is yeah. in the it's it's written in words for them and yeah um you'll you it's different though you're yeah you're, no i can't wait i know yeah I, I mean, like I read the books a, but i can't wait to go yeah there's a great um book uh I am divine. So are you, mm. my friend, uh, as co-author on it. You should, you would love it. Oh, I'll check it out. It's, check it's it out. just a, it's a great book about Buddhism, uh, Jadism, Sikhism, all the four and Hinduism. They talk about cool. all those things and the queer culture and like how oh, it all, awesome. it's, yeah. it's pretty fantastic. It's small, quick read. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Where can everybody find you? I'm it's so easy. I'm Shakeen's on all platforms. S H A K E E N Z. You can find me there on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and a TikTok that I've never used. I was but, like, do you uh, do TikTok? I don't know. I don't, I don't yet, but it's there know. in case I decide to one day. I uh, know. I think I've had it twice and gotten rid <laughs> I yeah. try. Um, your Twitters are great, actually. Oh, thank you. I think they're funny. It. Like some of the, the, the approach is really. I try to be irreverent because it's like, it's too painful to be serious all the time. Ew, you know? gosh. And it's you like, got to learn how to laugh. You do. Well, the thing with Twitter too, it's like, it's either porn or it's uh, the other way. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's like, like porn it's, or politics. Like just give me something in the middle, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Erotic and informative, you know, but not. It's <laughs> a good title. <laughs> yeah, right. Erotic exactly. and informative. That'd be a great Twitter account. <laughs> um, well, you're fantastic. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks and... so much, Anthony. Oh, gosh, I've got one of the most important things. Oh, no, what? I always ask my guests to give some words of wisdom to my queer youth listeners. Oh, yeah. Please oh, do. yes. And okay. then we'll end right there. Sure. So, you know, for all y'all listening, um, I just want to say that you don't need permission to be who you are, to love who you are, or to change the world in the ways you want to change the world. You have the access you have the tools and you have the community to just go on ahead and do it. Uh, so um, stop waiting. If you're waiting, stop waiting for adults or bigger kids to help you out. Um, this is the world that you're building for yourselves and um, have a blast doing it. Be good to each other. Thank you so much, Shakina. You're awesome. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Many for the Summer. And, of course, thanks to my honor sponsor, Michael J. Grabowskis. And don't forget to become a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash queer teen podcast. And just $5 goes a long way. That's helping me produce this podcast. And, of course, my brand new website, queeruniverse.org. Check them all out. Check Shakina out. And look 
forward to all these fabulous guests this summer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.